So our guest this afternoon is Ilya Melnikov, founder and managing director of Luxcon Group, one of Australia's premier integrated luxury property groups founded on the basis of delivering high quality developments in only the best precincts across Australia. Founded in 2004, the business has developed some of Sydney's most sought after projects, including the Aristocrat in Rose Bay, the London in North Sydney, and Residence Almar in Neutral Bay, all of which have been received well across the local markets and have also set a new precedent for luxury living. More recently, the business expanded to Melbourne with a $30 million acquisition of 380 Albert Street in prestigious East Melbourne, wherein a $130 million upmarket development will take shape, featuring 22 high-end luxury apartments across 10 levels. Just in the past fortnight, Luxcon acquired a $16.65 million site at 103 Beach Street, Port Melbourne, and also has another project in the works known as The One in Sydney's Bellevue Hill. Ilya, pleasure speaking with you this afternoon. Let's start by walking us through your history, your inspirations, and how Luxcon came to fruition back in 2004. Yes, well, uh, I kind of found myself in this uh, industry back in the uh, you know, late, late 90s uh, when I was kind of fortunate enough to commence my real estate career working with, uh, with Harry Trigubov, who certainly has been an inspiration and uh, probably, you know, very difficult to replicate his uh, success in this industry uh, by anyone, I think. So, you know, I, when I started working with him, it was, uh, I think, uh, to this day, I feel like it was probably a, a springboard to my kind of inspiration, what I wanted to do in life. And, uh, and you know, on and off with him, between 10 to 12 years, kind of taught me quite a bit about uh, the industry in general and, you know, everything from sourcing sites to sales and marketing to town planning so it's a, it was a very very unique uh, opportunity to be in when you start your career um it's just the way the way that company operated it sort of uh you know made me what i can say is very well rounded in terms of uh skills and intuition in contrast to other developers you've had a focus on delivering high-end boutique and truly luxurious developments from the beginning of your career what separates you from the many other developers out there yeah look i, I usually take a high level view on on um, other developments that are going around uh, where we're developing and where we're looking to develop um, you know i respect what other developers do you know i have my own view on on um, on the industry and on the on the consumer needs, how I see them, um, and you know we try to create a point of difference. You know I think uh, uh, you know and again starting from the inception of the company, there's always been that desire to to bring something fresh and new and stand out from the rest. And um, you know I had uh, you know quite a long experience in 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 seeing what, what is being developed around Sydney, you know, and, and what, what people also want as a, as a purchasers of the apartments. Um, and, you know, starting from 2008 up until now, I mean, there has been a, a great uh, transgression of, of uh, what people want. And, you know, being on the ground from back in my early days from sales and marketing to starting my own business, uh, I think it, it gave me a really good 
opportunity to develop uh, instincts as to what should be developed and and how to how to stand out from the rest. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, projects around with uh, luxury being term luxury being thrown around, but uh, I mean, there's very 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 few that actually deliver on that concept. I mean, it's it's uh, I think one thing is to say luxury, but what does it actually mean for you as a developer? Um, it, it should not be taken as just a marketing gimmick. It should actually be something that actually transfers from marketing image to, to real life. And uh, I have to say what we deliver, you know, we, we're very particular on delivering on that. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I don't want to show my customers pretty pictures, but then uh, when they come into the apartment, they think, oh, what, what went wrong here, you know? we saw this and now it's this and i think um i think that's what's lagging at the moment in a, in a general market i think it's i must say it is getting better in terms of what developers del deliver um and i think that's due to um developers experiencing that customers are becoming more discerning you know especially in that high-end sector i think you know australians in general they they're very well traveled they um they're very astute to what they see in a in a fashion world in overseas uh, luxury experiences in uh, luxury hotels accommodation so they get to actually absorb all that in and and they tend to over time uh, develop their expectations what they actually what they actually see um, or what they expect to see when they walk into the luxury apartments and I think Luxcon in itself I think we're really we really try to build a brand on those sort of expectations to make sure that we we actually do deliver something different and and with the you know with a with a point of luxury that not not you know often delivered in in our marketplace you know as i mentioned you've deliberately selected premium areas for your projects such as rose bay in sydney east melbourne and in Melbourne and Neutral Bay, obviously in Sydney's East and so forth. Luxcon have a high level of market knowledge and creativity. Talk to us about your criteria and, and the research that you do prior to assessing the viability of a project. Yeah, look, my, my, um, my attitude to acquiring sites has always been uh, really coming from the same point, uh, point of view in that I try to deliver customers something that they won't just call a home, um, but also something that uh, will will retain and grow in its in its value over time. Because you know every, every property, it's a brick and mortar, and it's an investment. Whether you know people choose to rent it out or live in it themselves, I always think, well, you know, I want to develop something that if I was a buyer, whether it is eastern suburbs or whether it's Lone or Shore or in the west or whatever it may be do I want to live in that area? Do I want to live in, in this location? And that's always been the approach in, in, in acquiring sites. Even when I was doing land acquisition back, you know, back in Meriton days, you know, it, when I look at the site, I get this feeling. Yeah, that's a good site. You know, that's a, if a person comes to this location, it will be attractive for them, you know, and they, they, they would want to live here. It's convenient. Building looks good. It's, it's um, you know, it's got a certain amenity that they don't, they don't need to, uh, getting they can't travel far you know it's walking distance it's flat whatever it may be and so we, we always try to pick this trophy sites and i'm not talking pure trophy 
in its own sense, but trophy sites for particular locales that we we're developing. You know, for example, East Melbourne would probably have the best site in Melbourne. I mean, without exaggeration, I think in terms of views and position, I think it is the best location. In Port Melbourne, we bought again a site which is, I think, it is the best site in Port Melbourne because of its position and views that it offers. So this is sort of uh, kind of general criteria when, when we looking at something, I think it's super important to, to be in a place where you can offer customer everything from convenience and location, quality of the location to the quality of the apartment they're moving to. Given the current environment, how are you finding finance facilities amongst say both alternative and traditional sources? And do you have a preference one way or the other? Um, look, preference wise, uh, you know, we always try to keep to existing relationships um, because I find, you know, financial backing for any developer is, is super important and stability of it is super important, particularly in hard times because, you know, when things, when unexpected things happen in the market, such as COVID um, or whatever else may, may come next, uh, I think it's really important to have finance partners that are um, you build trust with and, and relationship over time that they know you can deliver and you know your product is safe uh, for any any times in the market. Uh, I think it's super important to have that stability in financial partnership. So whether it's a major bank or, or, or non-bank operators, we we work with both um, depending on the opportunity. Um, and and I think uh, look, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of money out in the market at the moment for development. I think uh, you know there's a tremendous amount of money coming out of the stock markets. Uh, there's uh, really a lot of a lot of liquidity at the moment that's looking for for home. And you know, we 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 open to we open to new relationships. We we prefer to stick to the existing ones. Uh, ultimately it's the um, it's it's you know project by project related. How are you finding the market for buyers and what are the key considerations they make before purchasing, particularly at that high end in places like East Melbourne or Rose Bay? I think we find, uh, you know, there has been uh, so much um, media uh, in the past 12 to 18 months about um, about stability of uh, buildings and, and developers that I think, especially buying off the plan, I think... Uh, being recognizable uh, from your previous work is super important. And I think buyers looking for that confidence and stability that they will be buying um, an apartment which will be able to, uh, to stand test of time and, and be actually delivered uh, first and foremost. So, you know, I think, I think that's all comes into play with um, building our company to to a level which is respected and recognizable um, to the end consumer that they, they know that what you are selling to them is actually what uh, what is being delivered and not just uh, you know selling pretty pictures without knowing that uh, whether you know building will be held up at the occupation or whether the finishes will be the same or you know ha having that sort of confidence I think that's uh, uh, I think super important dealing with the buyers at the moment. To what extent have foreign buyers been active in the market over the past 16 to 18 months, particularly in regard to returning expats? 
Um, we haven't seen many many foreign uh, buyers uh, come to us. There, there have been there have been numerous inquiries um, over over the last probably 12, 15 months, but I can't confidently say that we we we've landed any any foreign buyers. Um, there have been there have been some expats, which are and by expats I mean people who involved in their businesses uh, both in Australia and abroad that come back and forth. We had we, we had some sales um, to those, but we haven't had a great degree of uh, foreign buyers um, in our projects. I mean, also the fact that the you know extra stamp duty is payable by foreign buyers probably you know uh, becomes a detriment um, in the current times. So I don't see many foreign buyers returning until after the borders open, and hopefully by that time. You know, government will make certain you know, concessions on the on the stand duty. As a guide, what are the rough square meter rates you're achieving for your projects in both Sydney and Melbourne? I know there's been some projects recently in Sydney, including Sirius, which is getting up to I think 100, 110,000 a square meter, and then equally in East Melbourne with the Eastbourne and 150 Clarendon, previously achieving up to 20,000 a square meter. Uh, can you tell me more about what you're seeing in your projects? Yeah, look, uh, we're seeing a bit of a range. I mean, we, you know, our project, uh, one project in Eastern Suburbs, we just recently finished. We, you know, we achieved the rates of anywhere between 25 to 35 a square meter. I mean, it's not a similar location to buildings like Sirius or being on a Sydney Harbour, but I think we've, um, we, we were happy with the result we achieved there. We've, we're doing another project in Benelong um, in Bellevue Hill, sorry, where we're achieving um, rates of um, you know about forty thousand square meter, which is also will be will be um, a suburb record when it's when it's announced when it's all finished. You know, I think in Melbourne, in Melbourne, we also you know with our East Melbourne project, the the results so far exceed our expectations. I mean, we'll, we'll be setting uh, certainly we'll be sending uh, records for Melbourne market for. For the apartments, um, you know, we we've already sold sub penthouse and other another penthouses in for the rate. Uh, sorry, other apartments for at rates which far exceed um, the you know the Eastbourne and, and and Clarendon and Spring Street development even. So I mean, we we haven't we haven't made any public announcements yet, but they will come in the coming um, coming months. I think we're very happy with the results there, and um, and I think Port Melbourne will 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 be the same. I think. You know, Melbourne, I think, is very undervalued in terms of uh, luxury projects. And I think, uh, I really think we'll probably vindicate that view um, in a matter of months when, when we're in a position to announce some results. We're, we're looking at other sites in Sydney at the moment, which we'll be acquiring in the next uh, couple of months. Um, there'll be locations which are also consistent with our, with our strategy. Um, you know, they're not they're not going to be projects necessarily with the rates of you know hundred plus thousand a square meter, but uh, they'll certainly be up there. In terms of site values, are any particular areas are you finding at the moment that are overheated or over competitive, and therefore you're just not getting involved? Um, I don't I don't think so. I don't think so that anything is overheated because I think it's um, you know. <laughs> Australia and, and particularly our East Coast is a very desirable market. Um, 
I think uh, areas such as um, Queensland and Melbourne have a lot more growth in them. Um, I think once the borders open up, I think Australia will be a very desirable place for for people to come, whether on permanent immigration or or work-wise. I think there will be a tremendous amount of investment coming in. I think there'll be more immigration coming in. Um, and I do think, um, I think there's certainly in all of those three markets, Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria, I think there's still um, a lot of room to grow. I mean, Sydney is, has always been on another level, um, but I think it will continue to be the most kind of desirable place in, in Australia being, you know, it's, a, it's an economic capital. Uh, there is more money here, um, but I think there's for luxury product, there's just as much uh, money in, in the other two states, for example, because it's just traditionally they have been um, stepping behind New South Wales. But, and that's why we're saying we, we want to target those markets because I think we can bring something to those markets that you know hasn't been delivered there yet. Speaking of Queensland, obviously the Gold Coast is having a run at the moment and the Sunshine Coast has had a good run for the past couple of years. Any investment appetite for looking at projects there from your perspective? Yes, we, we are actually in the process of negotiating on a, on a beachfront site in, um, in Surface Paradise. Um, I think we'll know in the next uh, probably three to four weeks, but we do intend to develop something on a beachfront there. Uh, I'm saying beachfront in particular because that's where I think we'll, if we if we are to move to Queensland to start operation there we definitely need a um, landmark position there um, and yeah I think there will be some exciting times for us in, in Queensland as well. Do you see any opportunity for development in other sectors say in commercial or retail or industrial? Not for us so much. We, we you know, we want to do we want to do our own brand of hotels down the track, um, and are targeting sites who, which will be suitable for mixed uh, mixed hotel and residential components. So that's definitely a um, medium term plan for us. Um, commercial, commercial probably we would do if it's a um, complementing residential component of the building. So again, depending on, on the site in particular, we, we would do industrial. It's uh, not something um, I'm interested in. I, I realize it's, it's, doing, it's doing amazing at the moment with everything that's happening in the world, but uh, it's just not our, um, not our game. Luxcon's successful track record for producing luxury projects obviously increases the propensity for potential high-end clients to purchase from you or make repeat purchases what's your view and tell us about the luxcon club that you offer look luxcon club uh, is something that we we try to um preserve for customers who buy from us and and you know it's really an opportunity for us to show gratitude to people who support us who buy who believe in our product you know uh, those people are you know we offer them you know special you know discounts on uh, on the future projects, um, you know, they'll be invited to participate in uh, various events we'll, we'll hold from time to time, promotions, um, you know, gift certificates and, and collaborations with, with our brands, you know, there'll be, there will be a lot coming online from, from our side in terms of collaboration with, 
other luxury brands in, in various sectors, whether it's fashion or arts or, or property. So we, we want to bring our customers along along for that uh, for that ride. You know, there'll, there'll be there'll, there'll be there'll be quite a few few interesting things happening um, over the next twelve months. So you know, we want to we want to ultimately grow the brand to be a uh, more fashion fashion style of the property. You know. Um, because I think there's just so much more that you can, as a developer, to to deliver that can, you know, complement what you're building. How are you finding the cost of construction at the moment, particularly in relation to the increases that we've seen in the cost of materials? Look, definitely, definitely, we have to provision for cost escalations. Uh, no doubt about it. There's uh, there's you know, a bit of an effect happening um, uh, stemming from all this uh, China um, trading wars, so to call it. Um, I think, you know, with, with every project now, we, we do build in escalation costs for, for raw materials, such as concrete and steel in particular. Um, you know, shipping, shipping times at the moment also prolonged so that that can track through to the programs. So I think, um, yeah, def- definitely, you know, construction costs in general increase Every year, I mean, if you if you go back to twenty years ago, how how much it costs to to build something, I mean, it, it escalates every year. Just some years it becomes more, sometimes it becomes a bit more smoother, smoother in increases. But you know, ultimately you have to provision for escalations. But with that, with that also, you know, the end value of the projects increase as well. So I tend to think it's, I tend to think that. Uh, in terms of profit margins, it should not, it should not really uh, detract significantly, only because uh, everything moves up proportionally. Uh, so yeah, but we, you know, we also are very careful in how we buy sites and, and uh, what kind of approvals we we're able to get. So I think for us, we'll, we'll, we'll be in a comfortable situation. In terms of buying sites, do you have a preference for on-market or off-market? And do you deal with agents directly or do you deal with developers directly or is it sort of a mix of both? Definitely off-market is our preference. Um, I don't think we ever bought a site that, that was on the market um, only because, you know, when the sites are exposed to the market, it, it sort of, it lends itself to a um, competition with, uh, with players who do not necessarily um, expect same profit margins as we do, um, and also willing to take more risk on the on the upside and 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 the planning risk. And uh, you know, it's it's very hard. It's 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 very hard to compete uh, with, with that. You know, we had a lot of Asian developers who were coming in, you know, two years ago, and they were setting false false market expectations for the for the landowners and it created this uh, false uh, false value of, of, of the land all, all over the place. And um, and now we're finding a lot of those uh, developers are floating the, the, the sites and, and lose, lose money as well. So, you know, we, we, we try to, I mean, we, we try to preserve control over the negotiating process. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times we, we source the sites ourselves um, internally a lot of times, uh, you know, agents bring sites to us through existing relationships and the word of mouth. Uh, so it, it's a it's a mix of mix of sources. 
How do you go about dealing with resident groups or resident associations? I know East Melbourne's got a particularly vocal one, and there's also quite a number in Sydney's East, which are by and large anti any sort of development. How do you approach sort of working with them to get schemes approved? Look, we've been we've been actually very fortunate in terms of um, community groups. Uh, I think um, my look my first view on the planning system in general is that I think the uh, community groups have too much power um, in New South Wales in particular. Um, I think uh, what they've got in Queensland, uh, as far as the planning system, should really be replicated in, in New South Wales, uh, where you know you've got a code accessible. Um, you know, applications and, and, and community groups don't have uh, don't have a say in a, in, a, in a planning assessment. I think um, I think it certainly frustrates the planning process in New South Wales and Victoria. Although I must say, Victoria is a <laughs> it's a breath of fresh air comparing to New South Wales. Um, but we, in terms of community groups, we we you know, same as a council. My general strategy is to work with them um, and to listen to them. And and not get into not get into fights. Um, you know, we we try to approach our planning pragmatically, and uh, and hear hear the concerns of if if objection if objectors come, listen to their concerns and try to design our buildings where we can uh, minimize those concerns. Um, so and and with the councils as well, I think uh, because because we don't generally buy the sites on kind of pie in the sky scenario, if I can call it, uh, but we buy them on a worst case scenario um, in terms of planning controls. We, we do have um, a lot of room to, to, to work with. Um, you know, we always try to obviously maximize the uh, development scenario, but ultimately if we see a big backlash on that, we, we do have always room, room to move. And we, we try to work with the residents you know, we, we always have good neighbours in East Melbourne. I mean, whilst having um, strong opposition groups there, uh, we had we had two object two objections to our, to our planning proposal. I mean, our DA application, which is was very unexpected, and we got DA approximately five months from lodgement. So that's something that's uh, you just you know you just can't get in Sydney, unfortunately. Um, and same thing with our Ross Bay. I mean, we had very very few very few objections. Um, on our project there that's recently completed. You're the nephew of the infamous Harry Trigoboff AO, another guest we've been fortunate to have on the program. What lessons have you learned from him and are there any lessons that you've been able to teach him? Um, look, as far as teaching <laughs> teaching Harry, if I heard you right, uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody can teach him anything. I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he probably... <laughs> Yeah, I think he probably earned, uh, earned enough uh, with his success not to be taught anything. Um, in terms of um, learning from him, look, like I said at the beginning, my, my business uh, probably got inspiration from working with him. Um, it's just that uh, I thought there's another gap in the market that um, you know I, I was very interested to explore being, being a more high-end accommodation. Um, and... And that was kind of a trans transgression from from where what I experienced in Meriton. So, as far as working with Harry, look again, uh, I feel very fortunate to have worked with him. I certainly developed a lot of intuition and instincts, and how you know how he looked at things, and how um, how he sees uh, in terms of 
market where where to buy, how much to buy, what things to look at, and and what uh, you know what foresight to to consider when when you planning projects and, and acquisitions. You know, I mean, he uh, honestly could, could not be could not be a better teacher. You know, and at the same time, you know, he he rules with the iron stick, and uh, you know, if uh, if you being there can can survive that 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 schooling then I think I think you, it, it could make you a very well-rounded uh, professional and experienced professional so was well, certainly certainly a big inspiration and finally what's next for Luxcon group uh, I think uh, more expansion you know we're looking we're looking to really uh, expand the pipeline uh, in both uh, New South Wales and Victoria and, and start something in in Queensland uh, this coming year and and just really you know we've got you know quite a few interesting opportunities um on the table at the moment which we're assessing um i think we've got a very good um loyal um financial backing uh with us who you know who had experience uh, with us delivering very successful projects so i think um you know i think there's exciting times ahead i think we'll, we'll do more and bigger projects